Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the 13 Steps podcast You're with me, Craig Steele And myself, Colin McLeod And we're coming live together at the same place at the same time from Scotland here to talk about 13 Cha- Steps to Mentalism Chapter 1 Chapter 1 So Colin, have you read Chapter 1? I've given it a little look through, yeah And <laughs> what do you think? Fantastic stuff uh, Lots of different things to look at this episode, obviously mm-hmm. Uh so let's Can't wait to get started yeah. into it, yeah. Uh, first of all, we better talk about everyone's emailed us in over the past couple of weeks. For a start, we're not dead. Yeah. We are still here. We are just, have been really, honestly, <laughs> been really busy Incredibly just now. Incredibly busy, yeah. We've not just given up. And uh, we have been putting together, we'd like to thank all the people that have sent us in ideas, sent yeah, us in thank suggestions. Thank you very much. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to put this together if it wasn't for people interacting. So Definitely, please yeah. do interact with us. You can get in touch with us if you email 13stepspodcast at googlemail.com That's 13stepspodcast at googlemail.com and we do actually read them. So first of all, the different types of yeah. right are obviously important to cover. Uh, the main one, mm-hmm. obviously the sort of C-band that you get, the more common type, popularised uh, I think by, it's, you know... You know, Richard Austin uses it a lot. Uh, I think that's really brought it to people's attention, especially people that are just starting out mentalism it's this it's what many people call would say is, is the, standard the standard issue yeah, yeah. but people should really be aware as they will have had from reading this book that although that's the standard you know thing mm-hmm. to do it with it's not necessarily the one that's best for you yeah uh, the that, that essentially being the type which clips onto your your nail mm-hmm. uh, the other types of course being the boon writer which more sticks to the tip of your thumb allowing you to write and also the thumb tip kind mm-hmm. which is obviously a thumb tip so I think that generally covers the different types as an overview of the different nail writers without giving too much away yeah we obviously don't want to put out too much information especially for someone who maybe doesn't have the book but what you need to assume from now on is that whenever we're talking about a swami we're talking about what would be the traditional traditional variety whereas if we mention something specifically such as a boon writer then we're we're talking about one of those types definitely really we want to share now our sort of ideas and things that we've picked up ourselves from the book and we're going to talk about uh, some other ideas that have been emailed into so this is our first chance to really share our insight and ideas with you Colin tell us about uh, a, an effect that you looked at that was to do with like coloured yeah, leads yeah uh, in the book uh, he talks about using different coloured leads uh, as a sort of cancellation stroke the disguising method mm-hmm. for hiding the fact that you could possibly be using be doing secret, some sort yeah. of uh, and not only is that a great idea in that sense but also to have different coloured leads in the standard type of nail writer to look like different coloured pens if, people, if someone hands you a pen and say it's a light blue pen you've got your light blue Mm-hmm. Writer. Now that might be getting a little bit complex, but it might be worth considering if you're really concerned about getting burned uh-huh. using it, then obviously it's something else to consider. Something that I picked up from uh, just reading that is, although I think it's maybe a bit extreme to have eight different coloured swami gimmicks in my pocket at any one time, if I just had a prediction that was written out in blue or red, and I had a matching swami gimmick, mm-hmm. Then, uh, if I were to ask someone to stand up and I said, Colin, uh, I want you to name the first colour that comes into your head right now. Blue. Blue. Fantastic. I'll keep going on. And then I say, Colin, I want you to uh, 
name any three digit number for me don't make it your pin number or something that is really important to you just really pluck it out there randomly for me four five six four five six is is there a reason why you chose that number not at all you're maybe not conscious of why you chose that number but most numbers are predetermined somewhere you might actually find that's already in your phone number is it no. <laughs> if it was that'd be really good yeah. <laughs> so you could keep going with that but anyway what I would do at this point is I would turn around this bit of card and actually show Colin Colin uh, I made a prediction earlier can you tell me what I've written on yeah turn it over and, and it's 457 and obviously the patter as it were there just, just you know hides the uh, the actual disguises. yeah mm, the actual secret manoeuvre which I was performing before Colin's very eyes yeah, went completely unnoticed and it also can you tell me what colour I've actually written it in you've written it in blue I have yes. fantastic now of course if Colin at the start had said a different colour Colin pick a colour Purple. That's quite interesting. Purple is sort of like a mixture between two colours. I get the feeling that you're the type of person who can't really make definite decisions. You like to sort of hang halfway in between. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense, yes. And it makes even um, more sense that you can use that to just continue on. I mean, no one's going to say, oh, I see you've written that in blue. And even asking a simple question like that at the start gives you scope later on. Even if it's not part of the effect, that sort of questioning gives you scope to hide the actual writing later on so the heat, when the heat's off yeah. essentially putting the pressure back on them to talk Yeah. so you're taking the, the spotlight off yourself putting it on them but I mean, it's that whole thing of saying you know have you got a set of matches or you know <laughs> yeah. you've seen hundreds of times that it's up to you to talk and everyone's going to look at you yeah. and not me <laughs> yeah exactly Yeah. so any other handlings or stuff that you find in the book that you wanted to comment on um in the book he talks about different types of card and how to hold it. Yeah. Now essentially I feel myself any type of sort of thicker card, usually my business card, mm-hmm. is strong enough uh, with the support of the fingers at the back. Uh, and I do agree, I know Richard Osterlund in his DVDs covered this, but practice how you would hold a piece of card and then learn how to nail right around that so that it looks completely natural. Right. I mean it is, people say that mentalism obviously is easier than magic but it's more difficult to do well. But I still feel that you need to put in the practice mm-hmm. that you would uh, a magic trick, as it were, to hide the skill of writing naturally with your. Yeah, I would say that's one of the main differences between magic and mentalism. If you're watching, if sorry, not you personally, but if an audience is watching a card magician, you know, they know they're being deceived. They know they know they're being tricked, and to some extent, they're watching for that secret maneuver. Whereas. I would say that most people, if they're watching what someone would say was a mind reader or something like that, they're not. They're maybe not yeah, aware of it. That they're looking for yeah, something. Yeah, there's still a big question mark that hangs over mind yeah. reading. Is it real? Is it not real? So, but then again, if you're doing something that looks daft or looks hey, daft, that's a Scottish word. <laughs> if you're doing something that looks suspicious, then obviously, then you're going to look. You know, you're going to look suspicious. That's it. Spot on. Because daft does translate to suspicious. It really does, yeah. yeah. There's no getting away from it. <laughs> well, time for some audience interaction now. David DeLeon has uh, emailed us in some questions that he wants us to answer. So, uh, let's go for it. Colin, I'll ask you them. Okay. And I'll <clears throat> join in too. No pressure. Is the Swami too exposed? I really don't think so. And I think even if it has been, that shouldn't matter when you're using it. Mm-hmm. If you're using it well. That's true. That's true. I mean... Uh, people can be fooled by card tricks that you've taught them 10 minutes ago yeah definitely know. but how would you say you know I would I would then say to you but the Swami gimmick was revealed on 
Secrets of Street Magic revealed, which was shown in America on Fox, I believe, and shown on mm-hmm. Sky Television here in the UK. I mean, ten, you know, a mm-hmm. couple of million people have watched that. I mean, something interesting is, I mean, I've, I've not actually seen that. I never have. It's, it, it would have been a while ago anyway. But if he's taught that to write down a number, I think if you then use the nail writer to write down a word, mm-hmm. people see that as a completely different effect anyway. So the fact that you're reframing that, their mind doesn't associate the numbers with the words and therefore they won't think about nail writer, especially as well if the moment that you're actually writing mm-hmm. the, the secret information, which we'll come to in a second anyway, the moment that you're doing that, if the heat's not on you, then they shouldn't suspect it anyway. And also if the very effect that you're performing shouldn't, you know, it's not really about writing something down, exactly. is it? Exactly. It's yeah. about predicting something yeah. in advance. Let's move on to the next question. <clears throat> well, of course, we'd be interested to know what you feel about these questions as yeah, well, so absolutely. do email us in. How uh, do you rule out the possibility of secret writing or switches in the minds of your audience? Uh, for me personally, I think that the best method, which isn't essential, but the best method is probably a window envelope, which is covered in fair detail in the book uh, anyway, so you can check there for what it actually is. But I think this adds another layer of sort of camouflage to the effect in that first of all you shouldn't the audience shouldn't think that you're secretly writing something and even if they did think that then you couldn't have because that piece of paper is hidden in an envelope in an envelope so there's no way you could get to it and the envelope is sort of you know it's seen as a as a barrier as you were saying but it's also evidence of that's final because you yeah, know and it's also natural as well to have something if you think of award shows and stuff you yeah know? definitely uh, so birthday cards as well you'd have a card in an envelope so mm-hmm. it does make sense to people that that's what you would do okay what would you say are the benefits and what are the downsides of using this extra layer of deception for example window envelope or even something like a peak wallet a peak wallet yeah um, the benefits like we were saying do help disguise the method Mm-hmm. It does make it seem more difficult that you could have secretly written something down. Not that they're even thinking that. As exactly. We've, yeah. As we've this said. is just for people that are really. I mean, I know myself when I first started using it, I would have been a bit conscious as well. Uh-huh. So I'd be looking for methods to further hide the method because it is quite a bold method. Uh, which yeah. it, it is, yeah. I think, ninety percent presentation. But so is having a swami. Yeah. Would you not? I mean, it's on its own. Yeah. Uh, I would argue. I would. I would let, let me put this argument to you, Colin, see see how you respond. If I could really predict what number you were thinking of and I was wanting to show you it, I wouldn't put it in an envelope. I think what I would do is I would write it down in a bit of paper and cover it with my hand and say to you what number you're thinking of. Then I could lift up my hand and it was there. Why would I put it in an yeah, envelope? Furthermore, I think if you were to ask someone to think of a number, mm-hmm. you would just come straight out and tell them that number. Why bother writing it down? Fair, well, even more direct. Yeah. Um, but, so why why am I putting it in an envelope? And well, uh, why is it why is that envelope that, also in my wallet, <laughs> which is also in my well, top pocket? Two ways of going about this. You're either predicting it, mm-hmm. in which case you would have had to have written it down in advance mm-hmm. to actually uh, to actually have it predicted, as it were, or you could be trying to influence them, okay. which again you would need to write down in the first place to prove. That that's what you were trying to get them to think of. And you of. weren't just exactly. Making now up. the flip side of this is that you can use it for mind reading, as it were, where someone is thinking of something, and then you say, right, you've got a two-digit number. Let me just and then pretend to write it. Obviously, put the pencil down. Obviously, a very important step, and then say to them, now, just in case I'm wrong, 
what was the number you were thinking of? Mm-hmm. And they say 45. You now write 45 and say, and that's a decision that you've just made now. I didn't ask you to say that earlier. Completely free choice. And whilst you're doing that, you're putting the pressure back on them to agree oh. that that's a free choice. Mm-hmm. That's giving you the time to write. Uh, and I would also suggest that once you've written it, if you can sit it down on the table as well, mm-hmm. obviously even making it look more fair, because then you can ha- ask someone else to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, and it could have been... It's all, it's, could have been on the table since the start. I mean, that's you could even throw in that, you know, and that's been sitting there. The entire time. I don't want, you know, you. I know. So I, like I don't even want to touch it. Yeah. That that line that everyone. That's what people loves. remember. Yeah, fantastic. Leave it there. I don't even want to touch it. But uh, as you place it down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's that it's that hoof spot, as it were, just the, the the balls to just do something like that. And I mean, as long as you're entertaining and people are enjoying what you're showing them, mm-hmm. there's no problem because it's all about the entertainment side of it, and the fact that you do predict it or read their mind at mm-hmm. the end of it is just amazing. I think it's very telling that the first effect that they teach in the book is actually, if you remember, it's not you that's doing the mind reading, it's the, it's the spectator, which sometimes always the best effects. Big, Not big deal that you can read minds, but if you can, if someone else, if they can read your mind, that's obviously been exactly. a lot more special to them, isn't it? And it's a lot more memorable as well, yeah. And, and that's an effect that you can do with a swami. And even then, they're not looking for a method then, because they believe they've done it. They've themselves. done it. They've got that feeling in their head, that's why they thought... So for them, yeah, for them to then try and work out how it's done as well, would make them, you know, sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh... I suppose if you're reading their mind, if you're reading their mind, you could be tricking them, but if they're reading your mind, why would you trick them? Yeah, and it just diminishes the effect, which I suppose diminishes their part in the effect, is what mm-hmm. I was looking to say. Uh, so of course they're not looking for the method, because they want that experience to be remembered with them. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> uh, this is another question. Since you have to write when the heat is strongest, can you change the moment? How, I would say... Obviously, the answer is don't write. Yeah, write don't when write when they're watching your hands. Yeah, I mean, I think we've discussed that in some detail already. Mm-hmm. Uh, to put the the spotlight back on the spectator, and you've discussed your favourite way of doing that. In that, in the beginning, you ask them to name a colour. Yeah. And at the end, you explain what that colour says about them. Uh, for me, I like to just cover that we've never met before. That was a free choice, uh, and in that time, the spotlight. Is essentially on them. Everyone's watching them. Mm-hmm. You've got all the time in the world to write whatever it is you need to do. Exactly. Never put yourself in the situation where you have to do that manoeuvre, any manoeuvre, when you know that there's no point in doing it when everyone's watching yeah. you. Why make it difficult for yourself? Exactly. You know? Find these distractions, even if the distraction is asking them something, which, you know, as we always know, that that's a good distraction. Simple, yeah, such as what would have been your other choice? Uh, my favourite we never set that up anything like that anything that gives him a second to answer even a, even a joke or yeah. some sort of offbeat because it's in that sense of everyone relaxing yeah that you can yeah. get away with murder because by this point the mind reading's apparently been done yeah it's all done the pencil's on the table or you've thrown it away or whatever you've done to get rid of the pencil so there's no way you can write anything else anyway so you might as well make it about them for a, an extra moment while you get a chance to great that's great, David. Uh, thanks for emailing it yeah, in. Thank you very if much. If you disagree with what you're saying, if you really find yourself shouting at your iPod right now saying, no, no, you've got it all wrong, please email us in what you think because we are just two people and we're broadcasting yeah. to, you know, 
you know, hundreds of people. So we want to know what you're thinking about Definitely. these things. I mean, it's well. all about you and your feedback, so that we can then relay that and hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And that's thirteen steps podcast at googlemail.com to email it to. Colin, I've tuned in. I've listened to you talking for ten minutes now. Go on, teach me something. Okay, um, this is something that I posted a while back, a few months ago now, actually, on the... Uh, the Dear Mag- Green Place. The Dear Green Place, uh, the Magic Cafe, as it were. Um, it's something that I, I, don't, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't use it a lot. I, if I'm sitting in Borders having a coffee with somebody, uh, I should explain that in Scotland, I don't know if this is the same <laughs> everywhere else in the world, but our bookshops do have coffee shops in them. Uh, when I'm sat there and someone will say, do something, uh, it can be done with a a book to some extent, or what I tend to use, a dictionary. The basic effect is that you've got a dictionary placed in front of you, and you ask someone to name a word. They can name any word at all, they can change their mind a few times if they wish, Uh, and you hand them the dictionary, they open the book and look up the word, and it's the only word which has been circled. That's the way they'll remember the effect. What actually happens is that when you've got the dictionary in front of you, they've named the word, let's say it's the word because. You pick up the dictionary and explain that earlier on, uh, you've taken the dictionary, you took a pencil, you found the word because, and you circled it. And as you're saying this to them, you're actually doing what you're saying, you're actually opening the dictionary, finding the word because, but you've got a nail writer on, so they can see that your pen's sitting on the table. Uh, and when you find a word because, as you go to close the dictionary, sort of tilt the book so it's more facing them, and that gives you the perfect cover to circle the word as you place it back on the table. I did mention there that you this, you say that earlier on that you circled the word. Obviously, if you're sitting there with them just doing it one-on-one, you'll need to open up the book in the first place and pretend to circle a word, and then set it down. Anyway, once you've put the dictionary back down, you get them to say the word that they're thinking of again. They say because... You say, I don't even want to touch the dictionary. It's been sitting in front of you the full time. Open up the book and find a word because. And when they do, they'll see that it's the only word which has been circled. Sounds great. Sounds great. It's um, uh, a way of doing almost a book test, isn't it? But with, yeah. How, how, how do you frame it? As obviously it's not a book test. Uh, more sort of, sort of influencing someone to think of the word that I was trying to get them to think of. Right. Uh, I know that people have a lot of trouble writing longer words down so I think for those situations again perfect solution is not to write the word it's to circle it what type of words do people tend to look up like is it just a random word or do they tend do you think they try and I mean I've found usually I'm sitting in coffee shops and things and bookshops so usually they will name something that they'll probably look about the room for a minute and then name something that they can see right uh, which obviously makes it a lot stronger not stronger but if someone obviously looks up a word that they don't even know the name of then yeah. you know that's po- that's yeah, I mean, I've not had that happen yet uh-huh. but uh, that idea of someone naming a word that they don't even know how to spell uh, they don't so, even know it was a word until yeah, they just found it and then it. it really looks like you've made them think of that word I suppose you could really play that up uh, so definitely there's a lot of scope for presentation there uh, for a very simple effect great we've also had a few effects sent in by our listeners. Pete Antonio emailed us in an idea about a presentational aspect that you can use with Swami gimmicks. The idea is that you put some sort of power into your spectator's finger so that they have almost as if they can see through their fingers. If to imagine as if they've got a, you know an, an all-seeing eyeball on their finger 
it's obviously a really interesting aspect and it could be used for some sort of bizarre performance with a swami which you might not maybe get to do as often yeah I really felt that this presentation uh, gave a, a lot of scope as well like you were saying for the bizarre performance but it also would give you room to hide the secret writing if you play it to its full potential so you would need to start by uh, sort of doing a little bit where the spectator you empower them with the ability to see with their fingertips and really play this up where you really get them to focus on their fingertips uh, perhaps having them look at say you've got a newspaper get them to stare at the, the headline focus on it then look away and put their fingers above it uh, apparently somehow taking that information in uh, you then write your word turn it face down and they then look just with their fingertips you then put the bit of paper apparently down on the table uh, they then disempower their fingertips as it were I don't know, perhaps rubbing it on their leg or something, just to uh -huh. just to, to make the, the routine complete. Uh, and as they're doing this, this gives you obviously the time to write the word. Uh, something as well that Corinda mentions is the fact that if you're writing longer words, the writing might not be... <laughs> if you're writing longer words, the, uh, the writing might not be perfect. But as long as it's legible enough that people can see what it's meant to say, then to them it's perfect. And also I would say that could be not just used as a standalone effect but that could be something quite nice for if you've just done a routine where you're reading with your you know you, you've maybe adapted this sort of like reading with your fingertips or Dermal optics type yeah. Yeah if, you, if you're <clears> doing that and then someone says oh how, how can you do that and you say well you've really just got to believe in it in fact do you want yeah. to try it? Let, let me show. It might not work, but let's try something. But again, something like that, like I was saying, is in the build-up. So really play up the practicing part with the reading words in newspaper and seeing how that would feel it's to you. It's quite theatrical, isn't it? So yeah, definitely. And uh, it would, again, give you room to cover the, the secret writing. Great. Max has actually emailed in and he's asking us, is it better to write in a with a pen as opposed to the, the traditional lead swami gimmicks? Yeah, what do I you mean, think, Colin? I really don't think that the sort of writing utensil matters. I mean, as long as you're writing down and predicting what people are saying, then that's, I think that's fine. Uh, if you do want to use a Sharpie uh, or a sort of... More, Permanent marker. Yeah, a felt pen. Uh, something that I've found is that crayons work quite well or wax grease pencils. Uh, these work really well, not only in the sort of standard thumb tip, uh, the standard sorry nail writer but also on a thumb tip because uh, you obviously with the thumb tip you get a lot more grip and uh, they do take a little bit more pressure to write with uh, so that thumb tip does allow for extra yeah you can also for example I've actually made my own with you know a standard just making a hole in it and taking the the middle bit of a viral from a pen and putting it through yeah, it definitely. you know what I mean that's a, a cheap solution but also you can put the hole where you want it adjust it to the right position and it's refillable you know? uh, yeah definitely I mean I think you really just need to get something that you're comfortable with and practice with it but why do you want a pen why not a pencil I, mean, I suppose I, most people write in pens these days but are you really going to be called up yeah I mean I think using the, the lead the, the standard lead tip allows for you to have a few golf pencils in your pocket you can write down the thought with that throw the pencil away 
and set the paper down so it looks even more fair. Yeah. And you would obviously, they the cost maybe a penny each. So Yeah, or if you visit Ikea or other places like that, you can probably get golf pencils for a, a wee bit less than that. Yeah, I think you get a five-finger discount. <laughs> can we say Ikea? <laughs> we can say Ikea as long as they don't sue us. <laughs> what we should maybe talk about then is there actually has been a couple of marketed products. I mean, we're not going to go into too much detail on them, but... Development of this, for example, Super Sharpie. Super Sharpie, yeah. Uh, I Have you used one? Uh, I've played about with one, yeah. Uh, I've never actually used it in performance, uh, to be honest. I've never been comfortable enough with it. I'm just really happy with the ones that I use. Uh, but it's a really nice idea, uh, mm-hmm. and I suppose if you put the time in to practice it, again, it would work really well for you. What do you know about the Lincoln Boon? The... Nothing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was gonna say another another really popular boon device is that of the Lincoln boon. I mean, it's really ex- it's quite expensive. Uh, I think it's between thirty five and forty dollars. But I know that the people who have used it have really found a benefit for it. I'm I'm not sure what it is. So really, if you've got one and you've used one, do email us in and tell us what makes it so good. Or even if you don't think mm-hmm. it's so good, yeah, your experience with it would be. Because yeah, yeah. that is a, I mean, that's genuinely quite a. That's other products that we should mention that are in a similar category would be uh, Banachek's China marker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously anything by Banachek is absolutely fantastic. So uh, definitely worth looking into, especially for the sort of more sharpie writing mm-hmm. type stuff that would be ideal for that. Richard Osterlind also has a, a section on his DVDs where he goes into a lot of detail about how he uses the. The swami, the traditional standard type, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. worth looking into as well. Yeah, a lot of valuable tips, especially watching him do it there. Yeah, you gain a lot from that as well. So really check that out. A lot of people have been actually, you know, it's as if this was the first time they thought it would be any uses when they seen it on his DVDs. I've, I've I read a lot of magicians who were in, inspired by this sort of presentation of it. It is a simple effect, but you know, it's been sitting on that book on your shelf for however long you've had 13 steps why haven't you taken advantage of it exactly. would be a question that you could ask them if they were right up into my face and I didn't think they were going to punch me <laughs> now we're going to move on to a section of the show I like to call Craig Challenges You basically uh, every week at this time I'm going to come up with some sort of challenge that I want you to respond to and email me in how you're going to do it and whichever one myself and Colin we think satisfies the challenge the best then we'll read it out on the show this week I challenge you to incorporate a swami gimmick into a pulse stop routine that's the type of routine where you either slow down your pulse stop it or cause someone else's pulse to slow down or the the idea of losing your pulse and not being able to find it so I want you to see if you can incorporate that in using a swami gimmick for me time for you to use your creative juices Email us at 13stepspodcast at googlemail.com We're sort of coming to the end of this episode and first of all we'd like to thank all the people that emailed us in. Thank you very much, yeah. We're sorry if you haven't we haven't been able to answer your email in this show. As I say, we have received, you know, too many for us to, to do at the one time. Hopefully we'll be back to answer them in another episode soon as well as all the ones that have been emailed in regarding this show. Definitely. So, uh, well, in conclusion, in the words of Tony Corinda, what it's worth to you is what you make it. I wish you every success. <laughs>